It is again an honor to be able to come together on this Lord's Day and to worship the great Father in heaven for the great things that he has done for us. It's a privilege to be able to stand before you. As you might notice, Mike is out of town. He is at Polishing the Pulpit in Sevierville, Tennessee, and he will be back shortly. So uh, we will miss him until then, but we look forward to the time that Mike returns. We're so great to see those that are visiting with us. I know we have visitors every week, and it's a great honor and a privilege to us to have you. And we hope that you'll come back and you'll be with us any opportunity that you have. And we also are so thankful for the members. It's a great privilege that we might often take for granted to be able to come together and to worship God without the fear of the persecution that, for instance, the early church had, but yet it is a great honor and a privilege. Today we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as... Kirk read just a few moments ago, we'll be looking at the, the beginning of the chapter where we see Paul and Apollos and the great work that they did at Corinth and what they had done for the Christian brethren there. But before we get into the lesson, I would encourage you to come back tonight because we're really going to continue the lesson and we're going to look at the latter half of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and tonight we'll look at the building and actually some of the misunderstandings that many in the religious world today have, uh, which if you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you might pick up on what it is, but I encourage you to come back tonight and we'll look, uh, look further in this chapter at what takes place there. This morning as we look at 1 Corinthians 3, though, we're going to be looking at the idea of growing for God. Growth is something that is required in a person. Growth is required because when we come into this world, we come in as an infant. And when God refers to the spiritual person, to the spirituality of the individual, or as Paul talks about here, the spiritual babes at Corinth, they started out as a baby. Now, as many of you know, I don't profess to know much about babies. And up until about eight months ago, I knew a whole lot less. However, there are a lot of things we can learn in Scripture about that of the babe, the, the, the young child, the infant. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it starts out, we see that Paul has teaching to do. He has work at hand. He has something that has to be taught. So he speaks to the brethren, and he says in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. So he comes out directly and he ties in that of their spirituality with that of a baby. Their spirituality is not developed at this certain point in time. So there was a feeding that is going to be required for growth. As a babe, as a young child, you understand that a child is dependent. The child needs the help of the mother, the help of the father, needs the, the food that it can grow by, and this is no different. In verse 2... Paul says, I fed you with milk. It makes sense as you think about that of, of young babies. They start out with a special diet, and that special diet is milk. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for even till now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. So talking to these people, to the Corinthian brethren that, that no doubt Paul cared lots for, as we can look later, we'll see how he... He did the planting. 
But Paul had this great care for the Corinthian brethren, and he says, look, you need to grow, and that growth is going to come from milk, and you should be matured by now. You should be to a point where you desire solid food. You know, in my shallow mind, it would make sense that if we had a juicy steak, and Charlie pulled up to the table, and we put her in her... Um, in her little seat where she gets to eat, it would make sense to me that a steak would taste really good. However, her mother knows better, and if we fed Charlie a steak, it would be a terrible thing. So, we've got the problem with the spirituality here, because Paul says, it's not time for solid food, though it should be. Notice in verse 2, he says, he said, for until now you are not able to receive it, meaning, look, there comes a point in time where you're supposed to be transferred over to a solid food. But yet, notice at the very end of the verse, we have somewhat of a reprimand where he says, and even now you are still not able. There's a point in life where we have to mature in what we eat. We have to mature in what we, what we start to take in to the solid food. Growth is required. Faith is where the problem came in here because the faith was only skin deep. If you go back through all of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in chapter 2, uh, Paul really lays down the design of, look, I came to you feeding you with this milk so that you could develop, and he says, within that, I fed you with godly wisdom. He said, I didn't come with fancy speeches or anything to ooh and awe you to make you say, oh, I want to follow Jesus, and then they could go by the wayside and forget it. But rather, he's, his point is for them to have a deep faith that would cause them to want to grow as a Christian. Go ahead, let's look at just for a second in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Start in verse 4 where Paul records and he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in, wisdom, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet... Not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So God had, God had a plan that he mentions here through that which the spiritual wisdom could be given to them, how the apostles would teach them, and they could learn and develop as they matured. But yet we see that the problem is... The Corinthian brethren hadn't done this. They hadn't matured. They hadn't, they hadn't come to a point where they're even ready for the solid food. But rather, they're stuck in the need for milk. You know, feeding an adult food, feeding our meals to that of a baby, such as Charlie, doesn't make sense. It wouldn't ensure growth. It wouldn't help the child. And uh, ultimately, it could end in death because they were unable to... They were unable to use that for sustenance. They were unable to use it for life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it's also mentioned that about the milk, about growing, and how they have special diets. In 1 Peter chapter 2, if you look at verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, go on to verse 2, he says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. There's a way in which we grow, and it has to start with milk. It has to start with the milk of the Word, because this right here has all the important ingredients to help us grow. 
You know, when, they, when there is an inability, when there isn't the ability to give the child a milk, you know, there are special formulas because they have to have all the right vitamins. They have to have all the right ingredients so that the baby can still grow. And so we have special formulas that are made if the, the mother is unable to give milk. We have special things that take place because there's an understanding that milk is necessary. So he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. Development will never occur without this early stage. And therefore, that's why when he's talking about feeding for growth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's why Paul refers to them as needing milk rather than the solid food. In development, we must be working so that we have continued growth. In order, for us to, in order for us to develop, it's going to require that we do something on our part. As a newborn baby, unless they continue to eat, unless they continue to, uh, to drink the milk that is given or supplied to them, there is no way that the baby will continue to grow. It changes none as we get older. There's no difference from the time of a baby, as far as a baby, it's required that they eat in order to grow. It's required in a grown Christian that we eat in order to survive, in order to go on. If you look in Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 11, it says, Let us labor therefore, that we may enter the rest. And he goes on to say, lest we fall by the wayside, in other words. He says, lest we fall according to the same example of unbelief. So he says, let us labor, therefore, meaning we've got to labor because if we aren't laboring, we have the possibility of follow, falling for that example of unbelief. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. It's required that we're working in order to ensure that we're not falling. We've got to grow, so therefore we need to be looking at God's Word and studying from God's Word and applying God's Word to our life. Otherwise, as that baby that doesn't get any milk, we're going to become unhealthy. And ultimately, we could lose our spirituality. We could give up on this hope that we have of heaven because we don't follow after God. Not only do we have to feed for growth, but we'll notice as you go down in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that he's really talking about a stunted growth. He's talking about a stunted growth because they didn't feed as they needed to. It just so happens that if the, a child doesn't get enough food, that they're not going to grow as quick as one that has plenty. So if you look again at the very end of verse 2, it says, And even now you are still not able, understanding that they hadn't matured at this point. Go down to verse 3, he says, For you are still carnal, meaning worldly. For where, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not you are. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Are you not caught up in that which the world has to offer? Are you not caught up into the, the menial things that really help none at all? Catch verse 5 also. He says, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. We see here that the maturing wasn't taking place. The solid food that was necessary for continued growth, it hasn't happened because they haven't matured to that point yet. So therefore, when he calls out them, or he calls them out for, for their 
being babies, when he calls them out for not maturing, notice the, the things that he calls out. You notice in verse 3 he says, you're worldly, and the worldliness is tied to that of being a babe. And he says, here's what's wrong. He says, there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Now when you look at this, don't think that he's talking to just a bunch of people that uh, he met on the street because, in fact, he's talking to the Corinthian brethren. And he says, look, he said, among you, there's envy. You got envy one for another. He said, there's divisions among you as Christian brothers and sisters. He says, there's strife among you. Among the Christian brethren, they were falling for this, and that ties them to being spiritual babes because they weren't able to look past it. They had on their carnal glasses. They had on their worldly mindset where they're like, oh, what's the world have to offer? Rather than, what can I do for the church? What can I do for the furtherance of the gospel? What can I do to teach Christ to those around me? We see that the, the spiritual babiness that he's calling out, them being babes, is tied to that of the, the attitude and the selfishness of those at Corinth. In Hebrews chapter 5, if you would turn over there for just a second, we'll look at a little bit of a lengthy, lengthy passage. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, we'll see the need for solid food. Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 12 through the end of the chapter. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... Meaning you should have matured to a point where you're going out and you're telling other people about the gospel. He says, here's the problem. He said, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Very similar to the same thing that Paul is, Paul is recording in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. They need to be teachers because they've been Christians for a long time. They need to be going out and telling others about the gospel, but rather now it's time to preach them the gospel again because they just haven't developed. They haven't taken the spiritual food and made it a part of their life. Go on in verse 13, he says, For everyone who, part who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's an understanding here. It's something that they would have been, uh, they would have prevalently understood because they knew that babies had to have milk. And in, and in this book, Peter records that, look, there's a problem here because you still need milk. You're not going out and teaching because you haven't, you haven't learned and applied those principles, so therefore, we see a correlation. What's the difference in the person that was carnal-minded and the person that was spiritually-minded? Peter expected them to be teachers. Peter expected them to come to a point where they were going out and teaching rather than being stuck and only listening, having to learn the principles again. Solid, solid food implies that there's going to be a deeper understanding. There's going to be more to it than just touching the surface. There's going to surface. There's going to be more to it than in Acts chapter 2 where they say, oh no, we messed up, we killed the Christ. And he tells them you've got to repent and be baptized and they became Christians. The point at which it says there's solid food implies that there's more to it than understanding I love Christ and I want to serve Christ. 
They had to come to a point where they could go and they could tell others about that gospel message. They had to come to a point where they apply the importances of God's word and take everything from God's word and glean through it and say, I'm going to make this a part of my life. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. Don't be children in understanding. Then he goes on to say, however, in malice or uh, in evil, he said, be children. He said, look, when it comes to a matter of evil, when it comes to a matter of being, doing bad things, he said, be children. Don't be caught up in that. We understand the, the purity of a child as a child doesn't have the... The ability at a certain age in life to sin. I understand that once in a while, Charlie screams in the middle of the night and it upsets me. I'm like, come on, let's go to sleep. However, Charlie doesn't have the ability to do something wrong. All she does is say, feed me, put me to bed, and change me. She's got three words for that. Wah, wah, wah. That's, that's it. God says, when it comes to evil, when it comes to doing bad things, be like a child. Be like a child to where you aren't caught up in it. He says, however, in understanding, we've got to be mature. If you look at the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14, I mean, sorry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, at the very end it says, but in understanding, be mature. Be a grown-up. In understanding God's Word, have a good knowledge of what God says. We've got to grow to a point where we can do that. God says, hey, be a child when it comes to evil, but in understanding God's Word, devote to it. Grow in that. Getting caught up in that of the world is really that of being the spiritual babe. As we mentioned before, we see all the things that, that Paul cites as being, being something that's going on amongst the Corinthian brethren. We see that there were divisions, we see that there was envy, we see that there was strife, we see that there's problems. But for us, we've got to be something different. You know, in Romans chapter 12, uh, the very beginning of the chapter, starting in verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, look, present yourselves daily as God's sacrifice, meaning giving your all to God. Go on to verse 2, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be something different. Notice we've got the carnal mind, the spiritual mind, and he says, be transformed to something different where you give your all to God. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Spiritual maturity, that's it. Seeking heavenly things and putting aside that which the world has to offer. You know, we understand that sin, sin has a lot of appeal. Sin has a lot to offer, and it might might seem as something we want to get caught up in. However, God says, give up on that. Put on your spiritual goggles. Don't look at the outside, but rather focus on what you can do and the great goal 
for eternity. The brethren had problems with one another because of their carnal minds. They were caught up in the simple things of life. And therefore, Paul rebukes them. He says, don't get caught up in that. You can go a little bit further and we're going to notice that their petty divisions, one of these divisions that they were so worked up about was the fact of, I'm following Paul. Paul was, was the one I learned from. And we see the other one says, no, I, I learned from Apollos. I'm really something. You might think you're something, but I learned from Apollos. So we see this, this division that absolutely helps in no circumstance. And Paul goes on to say, look, Paul and Apollos, we aren't anything except instruments by which God teaches. That's the goal. Quit getting caught up in the little details and think about the good of the whole. Think about how we can help all. Everything that's listed there, when he talks about strife, divisions, envies, when he talks about those things, it's really just that of selfishness. Because they're thinking about themselves and either they want to be they want to boast about what they've done. Look at me. Look at me. Because Paul taught me. I learned the foundation. I learned the foundation roots. I've, I've received the milk from Paul. And then others, that of Apollos. We see the, the very simple details. We see all this selfishness that's tied up with them. Completely goes against the, the greatest commands that God gives. In Matthew chapter 22, you can look at verse 37. God says, love him with everything. You go on to verse 39 and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So they're Christian brethren. Now they've got problems with them because that love isn't there. All right, let's continue on because time is running out. Spiritual growing. We see there needed to be a time or there needed to be a spiritual growing. We had feeding that was necessary for growth. We noticed that there was a stunted growth. Now let's notice the need for spiritual growing. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to go just a little bit further than Kirk did. Start in verse 5, though, it says, Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom ye believed, as the Lord gave each one? That's all they are. So they were ministers which made it possible for you to follow God. That's what we need to be. We need to be that person that is the Paul or Apollos to someone so they can go to heaven. We need to be the Paul or the Apollos so they have the opportunity to hear the gospel. They have the opportunity to change their lives and to give their life to Christ. Go ahead and follow along in verse 6 and following. It said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. Verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. The latter part of verse 9 is where we're going to take over tonight, but you see here at the, at the outset, Paul says, look, we're just fellow workers. Paul and Apollos are working together for God so that these people could believe. So that these people would have a hope of salvation. So you go on in verse, or as you go on and you look back at the, the text, we understand that the spiritual growth needed to take place. That's why they were there teaching so spiritual growth could take place. 
They were teaching so they could get through the point where they no longer needed the milk, but rather they needed the solid food. And that's why Paul's upset at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because they still need milk. Spiritually mature requires allowing your life to be led by this book. It requires that we look at this book and we actively take a role in living it. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most common verses, one of the, the simplest verses that we can think of, one of the verses that we use oftentimes, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Why? He says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God that the man of God may be perfect, that we can be complete, that we can be Christian, that we can be a mature Christian that Paul's trying to teach them to be. We've got to put our trust, we've got to put our hope, we've got to put everything in God's Word into action in our life. It goes on to say in verse 17 that we have to... Uh, it says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished to all good works, to every good work. We can be completed through God's Word. We can be completed by God's Word by enacting it in our lives. We see all the things that it can do. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then it goes on to say why. Because you can be perfect through that. You can be perfect or complete. You can be whole through God's Word. That's applying it to our lives. Being spiritually mature calls for us to be the Apoll or the Apollos of today. In Olive Branch, Mississippi, we've got to be the Paul or the Apollos that is teaching so that others can grow. So that others can come to a point of maturity as a Christian to go out and to teach also. If you look back at Acts chapter 18, which we're not going to this morning because of time, but if you look back at Acts chapter 18, you can see where Paul went to Corinth and he goes and he teaches and he lays down the rudimentary milk the rudimentary facts of God's word he goes to Corinth and he teaches them so that they can grow thereby and now that's why Paul's coming back and he says wait I'm writing you this letter because you should have grown so we see we see the spiritual maturity that's what it calls for us to be to be an Apollo or to be an Apollos whether we're the planter or whether we're the waterer, when we work in the field, we're doing God's work. We're all laborers together. Paul's thought process throughout his life was that of, well, Paul's th thought process throughout that of his life as Paul was that of going out and teaching. You know, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see that Paul had the idea that he could go out and teach the gospel because in the gospel, there's power. He said it's the power of salvation. People can be saved through the gospel, and that's why he taught it. That's why he preached it. Paul thought not himself to be anything special. Look at verse 7. He says, so neither is he who plants anything nor he who waters. He says, it's not about me or Apollos. He says, but God who gives the increase. That's what's important. You know, in verse 8, Apollos, Apollos and Paul were both working for the same cause. In verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward. We're 
co-laborers together. He said each one receives his reward according to his labor. We're working so we can receive a reward. The question is, are we working as a spiritually mature person, or are we as babes where all we need is to start over with the simple facts? We've got to grow sometime, and it requires that we take that solid food and we put it into action in our lives. Whatever we do, it needs to be for the glory of God. The glory belongs to God in all things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the same book that we've been looking in, uh, as Paul records there, he says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, he says, do, or whatever you do, he says, do all to the glory of God. He thinks back to the glory of God. You also can look at 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. The point of us living is for the glory of God. One day we can go to heaven and to live with Him and to glorify Him. Man is the field where the seed is planted. Man is the field in which God will one day be able to harvest at the judgment. So the question is, with the Paul and the Apollos in our life, they came to us and somebody planted the seed. And somebody came and watered that seed. And hopefully at one point in our life we've decided to become a Christian. The question is, do we grow from that point? Do we just give up right there and we say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm good. And let everything else run its course? Or are we spiritually maturing? Are we helping others to follow that same call? Really, the warning that Paul's giving is, give up on the worldly side. Don't get caught up in what the world has to offer, but get caught up in what God has to offer. Are we willing to give our lives to God? Are we willing to change our lives to follow Him? That's what repentance really is. Changing our lives, giving up on everything that that could be because there's something greater. Don't let the sin of today pull you in so that you miss the joys of heaven in eternity. Within God's call, there's, there's a need for people to repent, to change their lives, to follow Him. There's a need for people to be willing to confess Christ as their Savior. There's a need for people to be willing to go into that watery grave of baptism, to put off that old man of sin, man of sin to put off that old man and to turn over a new side. Just as Saul became Paul, the Jared of before becomes the Jared of today because I gave up that old man when I was baptized. If you haven't given your life to Christ, why are you waiting? You need to be in a Paul. You need to be an Apollos. You need to be the person that's teaching, that's encouraging others so that all can go to heaven. I know our goal and our hope is to take as many people with us to heaven. And it comes down to us. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I encourage you as a Christian, if you, if you haven't been the Paul or the Apollos, step up to maturity. Step up to solid food where it's not all about you, but rather you're helping others. Now, if you haven't given your life to Christ, we want to make that change today. You've got to start somewhere. You don't have to know everything, but you do have to change your life to live for God. If you haven't given your life to Christ, do that today. Please come as we stand and sing.